It's good to be with you in worship this morning. Before we go to John 3, verses 1 through 21, I want you to think about something with me, and then we'll go to the Lord's Word. The thing I want you to think about is um, imagine a, or remember a very difficult decision that you've been presented with. And, and it's a difficult decision between two attractive choices, two things you really want, but you need to choose one. Now, first I think of kind of the silly example, and I imagine someone in a game show, and they, they win an award, and they get to choose either a brand new car or whatever is behind door number one. And, and what is behind door number one, they're thinking, you know what? I, well, one, I want the brand new car, but what if there's a million dollars behind the mystery door? Or maybe it's a suitcase. But, but either way, they, they want both, but they need to choose one. Or maybe more practical, I think for myself, you know, when I have the choice between Amanda's homemade brownies or Amanda's homemade apple pie, what do I choose? I, I want both, but I need to choose one. Or, or maybe a, a deeper dilemma that we all have at some point is we think someone comes to us and they, they say some hurtful things or they do something hurtful. And, and my impulse, my desire is to lash out at that person with my tongue and to say some, some harsh things to them. And at the same time, I want to honor God with my words. So I'm torn. I really want both, but I need to choose one. So it's this kind of dilemma that we read about in John 3 as John tells us about this conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. And Jesus presents Nicodemus with a choice and Nicodemus will find he's, he's torn. So if you go to John 3, uh, we'll start just reading verses 1 and 2. John 3 verses 1. One and two, we read, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So he's a member of the Jewish ruling council. That means he has a high knowledge about the law and the prophets. He has a position of authority and notoriety. In verse two, we see he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you we know that you are teach, a teacher who is from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if he were not from God. So secondly, we see that Nicodemus came at night. That is to say, uh, he came in secret. He didn't want the other religious leaders to know that he was doing this because the religious leaders as a group had decided that the, the teaching and the signs that Jesus was doing could easily call into question their own authority and their own perspective of the law and the prophets. So Nicodemus was coming in secret, but, but remember that he was coming. He, he was coming because he had experienced Jesus' teaching and experienced Jesus' signs, and he was convinced that this man, this teaching, these signs were from God. So Nicodemus is torn. In a sense, he, he's got to go to this man and find out more, and in a sense, he can't go to this man and find out more. 
So Nicodemus is torn, and we, we go on and we, we realize what happens next in John's account is John leading us in this spirit-led um, summary of, of the conversation that Nicodemus and Jesus have, which I'm imagining was an hours-long conversation, and, and we get this spirit-led two-minute summary of this hours-long conversation. So here's Nicodemus's response to Jesus in verse 3. He says, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So Nicodemus, this man of all of this study and the prophets and the law, he, he has heard about this kingdom of God. And, and he thinks back to the, the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, about how for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. There's so many prophecies in the Old Testament about this kingdom. So Nicodemus knows the kingdom of God and what he's grown up, the teaching that he's been soaked in is for Jews, if you are a Jew and if you obey the law, then you have access into the kingdom of God. In fact, uh, Nicodemus' life of teaching, he, he lives a life of professing this message that as Jews, we who follow the law, we have access to the kingdom of God. And then Jesus tells him, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So Nicodemus has got to be thinking, this is impossible on so many levels. The Greek word translated here, again, actually carries with it the meaning uh, again or from above. So that is to be born again or to be born from above. And Nicodemus gets fixated on the again meaning of this word. You see his question in verse 4. How can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. So Jesus then redirects Nicodemus' attention to things above, not things on earth. This is being born from above, being reborn, not in a way that you were born um, in the past, but being born from above in a new way. In verses 5 through 7, Jesus goes on and he says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Jesus is saying, I'm talking about being born from above from a heavenly work, from a work of the Spirit. He says in verse 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. 
It's helpful to know that the Greek word for wind and spirit are the same word. So you can hear this explanation of Jesus. The, the wind, or that is the spirit, blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. So Nicodemus is living within this system that says, obey the law, and as a Jew who obeys the law, you have access into the kingdom. And what Nicodemus and many of the Jews at that time were yet to learn, but Jesus was going to teach them, is that they cannot obey the law perfectly. The law points to their need for a savior. And the Savior will make a way for the Spirit to redeem them, for the Spirit to rebirth them. They won't be earning redemption for themselves through ethnic heritage or through rule following. They'll gain access to the kingdom of God through the work of the Spirit, who is invisible like the wind and whose power and presence is made known to our very eyes like the wind. Nicodemus is being confronted with this unsettling spiritual reality that he can't cause his own rebirth. This Pharisee and teacher and, and professional of knowing everything about the law, he can't gain his own access into the kingdom of God. He can't make himself be reborn. So he's being challenged by this proclamation that, that he can't at, gain access to the kingdom of God without the work of the Spirit who he cannot see, and the work of the Messiah who he does not yet know. You can imagine how very unsettling this was for a religious leader. So he replies, as we can, we can understand, Nicodemus says in verse 9, how, how can this be? He's a teacher of the law. He knows the law and he obeys the law. How can this not guarantee his access into the kingdom of God? How can he be expected to put, to put faith in, in the work of the Spirit to gain his access into the kingdom of God? Now, the idea of faith would not have been foreign to this religious leader. He, he knew that he was to put faith in the promises of God. But when Jesus confronts him now with, with this kind of faith, it is, I mean, I picture Nicodemus looking like deer in headlights saying, that, that is not a kind of faith that I've ever heard of or imagined. I imagine some of us experience this as we interact with Jesus over the years of our relationship with Jesus. And we come to many points where we look at Jesus or we listen to Jesus and we say, that, you're asking me to do what? Faith in you means what? We see through verses 10 through 12 that Jesus realizes that Nicodemus, trying as he is, he's not following and given that, Jesus knows as well that Nicodemus is not going to grasp what he's about to tell him. But nonetheless, Jesus tells him anyway. He shares some incredibly, some, some, some heavenly plans with Nicodemus, which perhaps later Nicodemus will grasp and respond to in worship, as will countless others through generations. And here it is, what Jesus says next in verse 13. 
He says, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus is saying, I came from heaven. So I'm going to tell you about heavenly things that no one else knows about unless they've been in heaven. I've been in heaven and I can tell you these heavenly things. So he goes on in verses 14 and 15. And he says this, verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So, so this is pointing back to something that happened that Numbers uh, 21 verses 4 through 9 records where the Israelites are complaining against God and God responds to them by sending poisonous snakes into their camp. And, and then he asked uh, Moses to make this serpent out of brass and to set it on a pole and to instruct the Israelites that when you get bitten by these poisonous snakes, if you look to this serpent on this pole, if you look to that, then you will be healed. You will be saved. This is a weird thing to do, but here's the teaching in this. Look to the Lord's provision and you'll be healed, you'll be saved. While facing certain death for the sin that you've committed, place your faith in the Lord's provision and you will be healed. Jesus says to Nicodemus, I'm going to do something similar. I'm going to be lifted up and those who look to me will be healed. They'll be saved. They'll have access to the kingdom of God. John goes on in verses 16 through 18 to summarize for us the rest of what Jesus tells Nicodemus. I think you'll find this familiar. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Are you looking to Jesus and putting faith in his provision and his direction? Or are you looking to yourself and, and your own provision and your own direction. You know, I, I think of this, this battle that goes on within me, and I know the battle goes on within you, that is, my sinful nature says, put your faith in your own provision and your own path, and live for yourself, for the things that look interesting and pleasing to you. Live for those things, and I have a sinful nature inside me that is screaming and urging that I live that way. And I have a spirit inside me that tells me to follow after the love and the provision of Jesus. As I encounter Jesus, I am drawn earnestly to follow after him. I have these two choices and I am torn. If you've had a conversation with Jesus, you, you know how this goes. Jesus will always be calling us 
into a faith that goes deeper and plays out more radically than we would have previously imagined. When we think of what, God, what uh, John has communicated to us through these words previously, we think of how Jesus is the light. Earlier in John, he says, Jesus is the word who, who was with God in the beginning. Jesus is the ladder through whom we have access to God. Jesus is the wine. He quenches our thirst. Jesus is the temple. It's through him that we have access to God. Jesus is the light. Will you follow the light or will you follow the darkness? This applies to what uh, is, is written in verses 19 through 21. It says this, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear of their de- that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Jesus is the light. Are we willing to follow the way that Jesus lays out for us to to look to him and put our faith in him and his way? Or are we going to choose to continue to live in the way that we want to live? This is a weighty decision that Jesus places before Nicodemus, that Jesus places before all of us. Following Jesus means walking away from a lot of the things that the world wants us to watch and say and do and living in such a way that we spend our time and our money in a way that the world thinks is a crazy way to spend our time and our money. When I walk away from some of the things that the world says I should be watching and saying and doing and I start to live in such a way that I use my time the way the Lord wants me to and my money the way the Lord wants me to, when I do that... I'm going to feel like an outsider. I'm going to feel like I don't fit in. But I realize if, I, if I'm going to be an insider in the kingdom of God, then, then I can't also be an insider in this kingdom of the world. I need to choose. And it's a weighty decision. Following Jesus is letting go of the desires of the world and clinging to the power and provision of Jesus. This is a huge choice, and the choice is yours. Do you believe that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life? If you say, yes, I believe that, then then it's through that that you can step into a relationship with Jesus today. Choosing to follow Jesus is choosing to live in his way and not the way of the world. Choosing Jesus is choosing light over darkness. It's choosing eternal peace with our living God over eternal separation from the living God. It's choosing a life of fellowship with the living God, with the triune God for whom I was created. The choice to follow Jesus begins with a conversation with Jesus. 
A conversation something like this where you say, God, I, I recognize, I admit that I am a sinner. I believe, Jesus, in what you did on the cross, that you paid the sacrifice for my sins. And I look to you and put my faith in you. I confess my sins and I commit to living my life for you rather than for myself. If you have made that decision and stepped into a relationship with the Lord, whether you have done that today or this week or this month, we're going to be celebrating baptism, believer baptism, next week, where we, we celebrate the work of God in someone's life as he draws them into himself. If you are interested in being baptized to proclaim God's redeeming work in you, then you can, you can text BELIEVE to the number on the screen. and uh, Sorry, text BELIEVE. That's important too. Text BAPTISM to the number on the screen and and I'll interact with you, and we'll talk about your getting baptized next week. If you are a believer and you've not been baptized before, then the next week would be a wonderful week for us to celebrate baptism with you as well, and feel free to text BAPTISM to that number. I look forward to celebrating baptism together as a church family. So for those who have stepped into a relationship with Jesus. You have received the Holy Spirit who empowers you to make this choice to follow after Jesus rather than your own way. That's not a choice that you make once and then you're done with it. You make that choice once and God gives you the gift of his spirit and here's what happens for the rest of your life when that decision comes up day after day after day and many times each day. Every time after you've stepped into relationship with the Lord, you're confronted with that decision. Do I choose Jesus or do I choose my own way? You have the power of the Holy Spirit inside you empowering you each time to choose to follow after Jesus. Not only do you have that empowering spirit, but, but it, the reality is even with that empowering spirit, you'll sometimes fail and you'll still choose the wrong way. And that spirit will empower you to get up, to repent, to turn around and to continue following after Jesus. Paul teaches, and teaches us in Romans that, that the spirit of God that empowers us to follow Jesus will never leave us once he has given us that gift. We're told in Romans that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Followers of Jesus keep learning from and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit in you. He brought you, the Spirit brought you from spiritual death to spiritual life. Keep making the powerful and weighty choice to follow Jesus rather than your own sinful desires because following Jesus is stepping into every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I want to I end by just giving everyone a moment to, to reflect on some of this. There's two questions that we're going to put up on the screen. And I want you to just end with a conversation with the Lord asking and talking to the Lord about these two questions. And the praise and worship team will come up and lead us in a response in a moment.